Darwin is often misquoted as saying it's the strongest of the species that survived. He did not say that. What he said was it's neither the strongest of the species that survived nor the most intelligent, but rather the most adaptive to change. That's Tom Bilyeu, and this is The Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Monday. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today as we kick off this week's talks with a returning speaker that is back on the show to bring you some Monday motivation to inspire you as well with a story about how he went from being unemployed and sometimes even laying in bed for up to four hours a day to then building and selling a successful billion-dollar company. So without further ado, here's Tom Bilyeu. Enjoy. My parents taught me to be a good employee, to keep my head down, do as little work as possible, and avoid punishment at all costs. And that, that was real. That was my existence. I cheated my way through high school because I knew that I needed to get good grades, but I didn't want to put in the work. I went into the workforce. My dad thought for sure that having me do essentially menial labor jobs would teach me that I didn't want to do that, but it also made me sort of numb to that kind of work. And so I worked in a paint factory. I worked in a door factory. I worked in a paint warehouse, a paint store. My dad happened to work for a paint company, hence the theme. And I was too lazy to go get a different job. And so I literally just always took whatever was before me. But I had this sense that I could do more, that I could be more, that there was something that I was meant to do. I didn't know what that was exactly. I had a love for filmmaking, to be sure, and I've had that love since I was a little kid. But I had no idea how that was going to play itself out. Now, the irony of my life is when I went to leave for college... I almost chickened out. In fact, I did chicken out. And the only reason that I ended up going to college was my mom forced me to. And I was having this moment of crisis. There was only me and one other kid that was leaving the state for my high school. Everybody else went to a state school. Everybody stayed together. It was that familiarity and living essentially a small life. And that sounded really enticing at the prospect that I was about to move away. And so I said to my mom, you know what? Look, let's just forget all this. Let's call it off. It's going to be really expensive. I'll just stay here. And my mom was like, over my dead body. And she pushed so hard to get me out. But then every day since then, my mom has tried to get me back. (laughs) And I was like, what the f***? Like, you're the reason I left. I never would have left if it wasn't for you. So I literally don't understand. And in that moment, my mom gave me the greatest gift anyone could have ever given me because my mom supported me. She was my biggest cheerleader. But when I asked her why she pushed me so hard to leave for college, her answer, totally without malice, was I always assumed you were going to fail. You didn't have the drive. She was like, you were so lazy in high school. 
but I didn't want you to live a life of what if. I didn't want you to wonder what your life would have been like if you had at least tried. But you didn't show any signs of being capable of doing what you've gone on to be capable of doing. Flash forward a few years. I go to the man who would become my father-in-law and I ask for his blessing to marry his daughter. And he said, no. (laughs) Now here's the thing. He did not misidentify me. He was very right to be concerned. (laughs) But I remember him asking me a simple question. Tom, how do you plan to take care of my daughter? He had come from this very small village in Cyprus. He is one of the most extraordinary tales of rags to riches I've ever heard in my life. As a kid, he would eat meat once a year because that was all they could afford. I've been to the village that he grew up in. And when I say village, I mean village. This is crazy. It is like a couple hovels in the middle of absolutely nowhere after you drive on this death-defying road for like an hour in the mountains. It was bananas. And I was like, how does somebody come from this and then run one of the largest shipping companies in the world? And he just worked his way up and he was so disciplined. And he started as basically an errand boy. Then he moved into the accounting department. And then at like 19, they fired the the entire accounting department except for him because he was the only one that could balance the books. Now that becomes a theme in my life, that skills have utility. They let you do something. Because he understood math in a way that other people didn't, he could do something other people couldn't do. Now this is where he comes from, that he worked his way from ground zero, man, a dirt patch in the middle of nowhere to living in London and running one of the largest shipping companies from a high rise. It's this extraordinary tale of transformation. And so he's looking at me, a young 20-something kid, and when he says, how do you plan to take care of my daughter? My answer is, sir, I know what you see before you is a broke, undereducated kid but I'm the most ambitious person you've ever met. Now, if this were a really cool story in that moment, he would be won over and everything would be magical. But let me tell you, he was skeptical. And the reason he was skeptical, and let this sink in, this is about 15 years before I build a billion dollar company. I would lay in bed for up to four hours a day, every single day, because I couldn't motivate myself to get out of bed. I didn't have a job. My girlfriend, now wife, was working, and I had one thing that I had as a responsibility every day, and that was to make her a sandwich before she came home for her lunch break. And the only thing that would get me out of bed, 15 years before I'm capable of building a billion-dollar company, the only thing that got me out of bed was shame. So you have to understand that people had not misidentified me. This is not a story of someone who was born extraordinary. People just couldn't see it, that I was secretly this amazing person who was just waiting for their opportunity to shine. This was somebody who was lazy as had no idea what they were going to do with their life. I had no idea how I was going to pull it off. I was absolutely terrified. Every time I looked in the mirror, I saw me staring back, and I knew how lazy I was. I knew how afraid I was. I knew how insecure I was. I knew that at my core, I wanted people to like me, and I was terrified that they had every reason in the world not to like me. But instead of becoming someone who was worthy of self-respect, who was worthy of their respect, all I was trying to do was campaign. I was trying to posture. 
I was trying to create the illusion that I was something because that seemed like I could do it fast instead of just buckling down and doing the hard-ass work of becoming somebody new. Because I had one failed misunderstanding. I believed that my talent and intelligence were fixed traits. I was born a certain way, and life was about making the most of what I'd been born with. What I did not yet understand is the reason humans are the ultimate apex predator, the reason that we have taken over the globe in a way that no other species has, is because we are the ultimate adaptation machine. Darwin is often misquoted as saying it's the strongest of the species that survived. He did not say that. What he said was it's neither the strongest of the species that survived nor the most intelligent, but rather the most adaptive to change. It is the animal that can change the fastest to a changing environment that becomes the most dominant species the world has ever seen. It is our very nature to change. That is what we are wired to do. If you look at human DNA, we have roughly 20,000 genes that encode traits. There are onions with 40,000 genes. Think about that. Are you really less biologically complicated than an onion? I would say probably not. But that's the reality of us at a DNA level. And for a long time, scientists disregarded all of the other, what they called junk DNA, that didn't encode for traits. But what we now know that junk DNA is, is epigenetic signaling. It is the thing that makes us extraordinary. It's the thing that says, ah, in this environment, respond like this. So you can go to the gym and bust your ass and train your body and change your physique. And we've all seen it happen with bodybuilders. We all get that they came out of the womb weak, just like everybody else. And they put themselves under an ungodly amount of stress and strain. And they push themselves every day. And they had this just unimaginable amount of discipline. And from that, they are able to transform themselves into somebody completely unrecognizable. It's it is amazing. And because it happens on the outside, we all get it. We all believe in it. We look at athletes and we understand that they work their way there. But we don't look at Gary Kasparov and realize he did the same thing because what's happening in the mind seems invisible. We can't see it. We don't understand what's happening. And so as shame was the only thing that would drag me out of bed, I didn't understand that the same thing I believed to be true of my body was true of my mind. But thank God, I was sliding towards depression. Because in sliding towards depression, I didn't want to feel that way anymore. I didn't want to be ashamed when my girlfriend came home and I had gotten out of bed just moments before in a panic. I didn't want to have the conversation anymore where my girlfriend had to pull me aside and say, it's not cool that you're wearing your pajamas all day. It's not cool that you never do your hair. And I began to make a choice. And that choice was, at that time, there was a hot debate going on as to whether or not the brain was truly plastic. Now, this seems self-evident now because people talk about it all the time, but back then it was actually a debate. Were you born with a certain number of neurons and that was all you were going to have and at the end of your life, you were only going to be declining, declining, declining? Or could you actually learn new things? When I was a kid, the adage, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, was like, everyone just believed it. But because of that, I found myself putting myself in smaller and smaller rooms because, and this is going to be the most important thing that I say today, of this I assure you, what you build your self-esteem around matters. 
And whether you realize it or not, each and every one of you has something that sits at the core of how you feel about yourself. And from that, your identity, your sense of self-worth, your self-esteem, it is all built around that thing. And I will tell you the trap that most people fall into, that I certainly fell into, that led me into hiding in bed for five hours at a time every morning, was that I valued myself for being smart, for being right, for being good, for being worthy, all incredibly fragile traits. And I kept encountering people who were smarter than I was, who were right more than I was. And it made me feel badly about myself. Now, if there's anything you know, you know it's a human's move towards the things that make them feel good, and they move away from the things that make them feel bad. So you can understand that is a terrible strategy to have this very fragile thing that holds my entire sense of identity and self-worth. I'm smart. I meet somebody smarter than me, and I don't think, what can I learn? Because I think an old dog can't learn new tricks. This isn't about pushing myself and changing my mind the way that I can change my body. This is about f***ing survival, emotional survival, and getting into the psychological immune system. The psychological immune system is powerful, and they found this freaks me out, but you're going to love it. The more delusional a person is, the happier they are. <laughs> that is real. And we all have that one crazy friend who you're like, damn. But they look like they're having a great time. So I'm not saying that it's not powerful. I'm just saying it's not going to help you live an extraordinary life. Why? Because if you want to do something extraordinary, you have one job. Leave your fellow humans in awe. Now, when you think about, holy my job as a parent, as an entrepreneur, as an athlete, as a speaker, as a whatever you want to be, you've got to get so good at that thing that when people see you do it, you make them experience the most potent human emotion, and that is awe. To get that good is a terrifying journey of self-discovery and confronting who you really are. Because you cannot make change until you acknowledge where you're actually at. Now, why? Because it's not some new age woo thing. It is for real. Like, if you understand where you're weak, then you know where to spend your time building skills. To me, the gap between where you are now and where you want to go is a gap of skill set. And once I realized that, and I made the choice to believe that this whole brain plasticity thing was real, even though it was being hotly debated, then I could shift my self-esteem from being smart, right, good, worthy, to being that of the learner. The learner is the only identity that I have ever found that is anti-fragile. As Nassim Taleb says, things that are robust, that are strong, that are tough, that can take just a lot of abuse before they break, they are still ultimately defined by their breaking point. Something that is anti-fragile, on the other hand, is something that the more you attack it, the more it is pounded on, the stronger it gets. Now imagine being able to build a belief system, the thing that you build your self-esteem around. If all of that 
We're tied to something that is truly anti-fragile, that the more somebody comes after it, the more robust it becomes. Being a learner is that answer. Think about it. If somebody is going to come after you and they want to hurt your feelings, there is one thing every time they will reach for. That is something that is true. When people try to hurt you, they go for the most real thing and they jab you right in your heart because they know it's going to hurt because it's real, man. And that's mean for sure. And it hurts for sure. But if you think of it like this, when somebody's throwing a rock at you with the intention of hurting you, you can put your defenses up. You will deflect that rock never to be seen again. Or you can lower your defenses, let it hit you in the face, knowing that it will hurt, but also knowing now at your feet is not a rock, it's a lump of gold. Because they've given you an insight into where you are weak. Now, once you know where you are weak, you can begin to build yourself. And that is my thesis on life. You get to build yourself in any direction you want, in any way, to become anything you want. There will be an extraordinary price to pay, but you can go in any direction. Big thanks to Tom Bilyeu today with his take-home message about brain plasticity and the ability for us all to adapt. His website is impacttheory.com. His IG and YouTube are both Tom Bilyeu, and you can go check out his podcast, entitled Impact Theory, where he interviews some of the world's most successful people in business, in finance, in relationships, and in health. And if you like this clip, there'll be a link to the entire talk along with all the links to connect with Tom. They will all be in the show description. And also, if you'd like to hear another talk from Tom, you can go to episode 247. That's the last time that he was featured on the show. So you can go check that out. And when you get a chance, don't forget to follow the show, share it, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. I thank you. I appreciate you. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And I'll see you back here Wednesday. So, until then, stay strong. Later.